The list of Western apps that have made it big in China is not super long. There are some great games on that list, including ones from major studios like Supercell and Riot Games. Cut the Rope and Fruit Ninja have made the cut. Subway Surfers is big globally. Of course, PUBG is huge as well. But as Josh Burns explains, it's probably easier to list the apps that have failed. He has a ton of experience with apps in general and China in particular. He's a former executive at Six Waves and EA and the founder of Digital Dev Connect. He's helped launch games for Kabam, Nexon, and Atari and manage games with intellectual property from Disney, Stars, Eminem, and the BBC. Now he helps apps enter the China market and Chinese apps enter the Western markets as well. I chatted with him recently and along with a lot of advice about what not to do, he shared 12 keys to success in bringing mobile apps to China. Enjoy. Josh, who are you and what do you do? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have been working sort of on my own for almost a decade. Uh, my background is in the gaming, gaming realm. So I started working uh, in gaming just before the advent of the smartphone, which now seems like so long ago. But, uh, you know, I've, I've worked um, with a lot of different companies, a lot of different areas. But one of my areas of focus um, that I fell into was uh, helping Western companies understand the Chinese market and uh, secure like opportunities for their games. So that could be like giving them advice, strategy to sort of self-publish or, you know, actually going out and helping them find like a local partner um, uh, for their game to help bring it to the market. So, you know, work with a ton of, ton of interesting companies like Zynga and, and others over the years uh, to smaller, um, you know, early stage companies. So, um, you know, I think, the Chinese market is always something people want to talk about, um, and it's very interesting. But uh, the reality is, is very, very complicated, uh, as we'll as we'll talk about. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Can you tell us about a couple maybe that have succeeded? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know my sort of uh, experience a lot is in the gaming side, so I think I'll focus there. I mean, uh, you know. I think, like you said, a lot of folks have tried um, and unfortunately not had much success. I think the reality is it's very difficult to predict as like a foreign company, like kind of what uh, will be successful. So I think if you look at um, in the gaming side, like one of the best cases would be like Supercell. Yeah. So I think that's one everyone's familiar with. Uh, but I think the interesting thing is that they never sort of necessarily built their games with the attention to have, uh, well, they didn't think about China necessarily as they were building their games. Uh, what ended up happening is they just were able to garner success uh, through some of the innovations that they did. So I think that's an example of, of one that has a great success, but not necessarily one that, you know, was thinking up front about, oh, you know, I'm gonna, when I'm building my game, how am I gonna make this work in the Chinese market? Um, if what you- what was is is there something that about their game that just worked well? Um, what, what was the scenario there? Yeah, I mean, I think it it generally speaks to their overall strategy as a company and to try and sort of you know incrementally innovate in a way that's there's something that a lot that's familiar but enough that's unique and different that's interesting that'll appeal. So the interesting thing, if you had probably shown uh, let me say 
Clash of Clans or an early Supercell game to somebody in the Chinese market, they would they would tell you, oh, you know, this won't work. You know, people don't enjoy these type of of simulation base building games, but it obviously did. So I think this is one of the the challenges with China is you obviously do want to do a lot of like diligence in advance, but I've seen this many, many times where part of that diligence, people are looking for sort of the, looking at from the lens of what's already worked or working. And so anything outside of that, they say, well, that's not going to necessarily work here because there's no sort of, and that's true. Look, I mean, that's true in general in all these verticals. Um, but I think that speaks to the unpredictability of, of success in the Chinese market that you can, you know, be better prepared than anyone and have a better plan than anyone. But uh, sometimes you can't predict whether your product will resonate and things that shouldn't uh, necessarily end up working. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Like you're saying, uh, success is an outlier wherever you go, right? I yeah. mean, like, uh, what was it, five, six years ago? Who would have predicted that Flappy Bird would be huge? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pokemon Go, I mean, um, you know, who would have predicted that would become a long... I mean, everybody kind of thought that would die off, and yet it stuck around for quite a long time, right? Um, yeah. Many other things like that. What? But on the other hand, what you're saying is challenging for people who are thinking about entering China to consider because everybody wants there to be a playbook. <laughs> everybody wants her. Yeah. Let me follow it. What's the five step plan to success in China? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the challenging thing is I think um, you definitely do want to do diligence uh, because the investment to enter the Chinese market is not insignificant. Even, uh, and that's why you see a lot of these larger companies, especially public ones, um, kind of shy away, right? Because there's a lot of regulatory complexity. There's a lot of ways you can get yourself in trouble. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think from a sort of playbook side, I mean, I think you do want to do some diligence and you want to at least identify some directional indicators that whatever, you know, whether it's a game or whether it's a, a consumer app, you know, has any sort of potential in the market. Um, you know, are people, is there a lot of interest in, you know, within your vertical, if it's, you know, say photo and video or gaming, you know, whatever subsegment of gaming, you know, is there something out there that has any sort of traction that you can sort of at least do as a fil first filter? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, from there, like, I'm all about like the incremental sort of step strategy. Um, what I see a lot is companies like, they invest crazy amount of effort into this extensive plan about, you know, okay, we're going to first going to translate the app and then we're going to look to localize like the app store pages so that it has, you know, it resonates better with, uh, you know, the local audience if it's the graphics. Uh, then I'm going to look at like maybe adding some additional features or if there's maybe it's a consumer app that has content, if it's, you know, video content or photo content or even, uh, you know, animations to make it more relevant. Then I'm gonna, you know, then I'm gonna look at these local channels for marketing or acquisition. You know, they do all of this work in advance, and the reality is, you make the app live on the app store with a translation, and you realize in a couple of weeks that like nobody, nobody cares, nobody's interested. So, you know, my when I work with like companies, uh, especially like smaller, mid-sized ones, I'm like, let's, you know, take the first step. Let's get it in the store. Let's translate it, right? 
super basic stuff. Like what do we see happen? Are we seeing better like conversion from the organic installs in the store? Uh, okay, let's go to the next step. Yeah, maybe let's, it's pretty easy to change like the, the assets in the store and the iOS and the, the iTunes store. You know, what are we seeing from that is, uh, but I think you, you can learn a lot just based on the basic translation and look at the retention and, and these kind of things just to understand like, okay, is there any opportunity here? Like before I invest, you know, 10x the resources, because uh, what I what I see a lot is people, you know, the Chinese market, you know, for gaming is the biggest. Uh, for other verticals, it's obviously quite large, just based on the population. And people get these dollar signs in their eyes. And what ends up happening is you you can do a lot and make a lot more money, but is it actually like profitable? So, uh, you know, if you think of not only the out-of-pocket cost, but also like the the resources um, that you're putting towards maybe the Chinese version of your your game or app, like you could be doing something else that maybe yeah. is yeah. this higher return. So, you know, I'm all about the incremental steps. You know, it, it's pretty funny because you've got people who are probably used to a pretty agile software development methodology going totally waterfall in yeah. a business strategy and entering a, entering a market. Maybe uh, walk us through a couple examples of success. What have you seen? What have you worked on mm-hmm. that worked? And and what were the lessons you can draw out of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the, a lot of my my focus is on the gaming side, which is even more complicated than other verticals. Um, but usually the, you know, the reality is you really, uh, for sort of an intentional path of success, a lot of it is, you know, aligning yourself with a local like partner mm-hmm. uh, to sort of assist you in the market. Um, I think it's, uh, if you look at even some of the biggest games, uh, this is, let's re- rewind, say three, five years back, some of the biggest games that are most successful, like they all usually had a local partner mm-hmm. um, to help with, you know, uh, make, you know, in- operating the game, uh, in the Chinese market, um, and then engaging customers, you know, acquiring new users. Um, so I think you have a lot of like pretty popular stuff like League of Legends and these kind of things. Um, but I think, uh, from a predictable path, that's usually kind of, um, you know, what you want to take is is looking for some type of partnership. I think that landscape has changed a lot uh, because companies, the market is so much more competitive um, than it was, you know, every year, like the level of competition increases, mm-hmm. not order of magnitude, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those potential partners are becoming more particular about who they're going to you know, work with from the, from the sort of foreign market. Um, and then you add in a lot of regulatory complexity, uh, you know, especially on the gaming side. Um, and that there's just a lot of overhead to kind of us, you know, uh, c- climb over to sure. have success, whether you're a, a company in the market or you're a foreign company. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's challenging. So, so in terms of the ones that you've seen that are successful, you, you saw that first ingredient, local partner, which is changing because, of course, not just anybody wants to be your partner. And the ones that have done it successfully in the past are, are looking, it's kind of like a VC <laughs> who am I going to work with now? Who's going to bring me the best return as well for my efforts? What are some other commonalities that you've seen among apps that have gone in and been successful? Um, 
You know, I think it's uh, something like new and interesting, which is the challenge with predictability, right? So the, <laughs> if you if you if you think about like um, early on and like again, I come back to gaming because it's my area of focus, but early on a lot of the foreign successes in gaming were uh, because they were innovative and different and not something you could have predicted. Um, if you look at like some of the most popular games and like, uh, wow, like seven, eight years ago were these things like Fruit Ninja or Cut the Rope or Subway Surfers, which, uh, you know, were pretty, pretty mass market kind of games. But at the time they were sort of genre defining kind of titles. And, you know, in the Chinese market at that point, there wasn't a ton of innovation uh, in terms of game play. So, you know, with a local partner, they were able to find great success. But, um, you know, now things are very different, um, you know, and there's a ton of innovation within the Chinese market. And uh, even from a resourcing side, like, you know, as a foreign company, you probably will never be able to win that battle based on the size of the teams working on stuff. Um, and the number of hours that they're focused on these things is, is crazy. Um, so the speed is unparalleled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That seems to indicate a couple different options, right? Um, so you're a major global pu publisher. You've got games and apps, you know, that are big globally, or at least big in your home countries or five or six countries. You've got a couple options. You've got a couple choices. One, you can take your massive global franchise and say, we're bringing that to China, right? Um, two, you can say, and that's kind of like a, a tactical thing, right? We, we have an asset. And we're expanding it, expanding its market potential. There's potentially also maybe a strategic look as well, which is to say, you know what? China is a massive market and we want to be players in that market. And we're going to go in there kind of natively and maybe start games there and mm -hmm. not invest a lot per game, but build them there and take 10, 15 shots at it and see what we can come up with. That's amazing success, amazingly successful. Have you seen something like that? As it, are, are uh, it's approaches like that. So I would, I would say, I would say right now it's actually working the other way around. Um, so it's more that companies in that market are doing what you just described, uh, in the Western world, yep. um, cause they have a ton of resources, um, and they can, you know, crank stuff out pretty fast. Uh, so I think from, you know, this is where the regulatory complexity comes in and what you can and can't do as a foreign company in China, um, on your own. And that's where there's advantages for the companies within Chinese market to expand globally is they don't necessarily have that type of friction um, right. to be able to build and, and Except launch. Except in India now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So now, in the United States. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're seeing more sort of regulatory complexity in all sorts of different markets. Um, but I think, you know, China uh, is still like sort of the biggest one with the most complexity where, um, you know, even things like your tech stack, like doesn't work because the firewall blocks like a lot of the services uh, and the way you're, the way you think about just like, to, you know, building and, and releasing uh, your, you know, your native app is totally different. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah. the very like basic level of like uh, development, you're kind of having to do things differently. Whereas, yeah, there's a lot of like becoming more like content rules and regulations, um, you know, in other markets. But I think, 
you know, still what I, what I would say is like, there's not a ton of, you know, especially on the gaming side, a lot of folks have tried to set up, you know, stuff within China and, and people still do, but it's more rare because, you know, you, you know, you don't have a lot of the protections um, around what you're building and um, things can go, go, go badly in many different directions. Um, so I think that's why we see like more, you know, conservative, especially for like public companies, like very few are, are doing stuff. Um, you know, if you look at gaming, non-gaming, like, you know, there's, there's something usually already locally grown, uh, whether it's like dating or gaming or, you know, photo video. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, um, brand new market anymore, obviously. Right. It's, it's a mature market. There's a ton going Absolutely. on, there, a ton of innovation and there's a ton of money, but there are still external companies coming in. Um, I, I want to get into some of the regulatory issues and some of the, um, maybe even some of the tech stack stuff as well, yeah. uh, which is related to the regulatory stuff. But I, I, I would love to still get, you know, a couple things, a couple insights from companies that you've seen do it successfully. Is there anything else? You mentioned local partnership. You yeah. mentioned, um, you know, different different ways of innovating. Um, what else have you yeah. seen? I, so I'd say one thing is um, being intelligent about how you engage like your users. Um, so using the social channels uh, to, you know, you know, the sort of idea of like when the West we do customer support, you send an email and someone replies. I mean, you know, yes. I think having like uh, hope. <laughs> people people who understand the, uh, the, you know, native speakers understand how to engage your audience wherever it might be. If it's, you know, being able to, you know, do customer service over WeChat or, um, you know, having those, uh, na you know, native speakers, um, I always push that as like a huge for someone who's wants to get somewhere in the middle of complexity. Like that's a huge step that mm -hmm. a lot of people like don't uh, take necessarily. They try to do their, you know, customer, you know, uh, engagement and community engagement, like the way they've been doing it. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a company like King, I think did some, some really interesting stuff in Asia, not just in China where they, you know, went to where the, the people were. And then yeah. you know, try to sort of engage them in that in that in that as a channel rather than trying to sort of force fit, because um, things are very competitive, and you need to be. More, I think the expectations for responsiveness, especially in a lot of Asian markets, is very high um, in terms mm -hmm. of like turnaround time, and uh, you know, people who spend a lot expect like very high touch, um, uh, you know, customer support, um, you know, even like some. Not it's not in, you know a market like Japan you have you know you have a phone number and stuff like this so I think that that's a really important area because uh, you know acquiring new users is going to be challenging and expensive and you want to be intelligent about how you like kind of engage them so I think mm -hmm. that's definitely one area that I think people who um, you know I've even I've seen some middle sized companies where they you know you you go to the local university and you hire some some native speaking, uh, you know, students who maybe understand like how to engage the Chinese audience or the Korean audience uh, can speak the language beyond the social channels. It's not like necessarily a super complex um, uh, thing to fulfill, but a lot of companies kind of miss that mark. Yeah. Um, but I've seen some some middle sized companies like Space Ape Games and these other ones be really smart about it uh, when they are you know entering these 
these markets in Asia. Very, very interesting. You mentioned King, you mentioned Space Ape. Uh, yep. Anybody else that comes to mind when you think, hey, enter China, did it well? Did it? Um, not really. I mean, most of the most of the learnings is what not to do. <laughs> Let's you know, go there. Think, then. Uh, what do you not do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's tough. I mean, I think um, the main challenge that you run into is like as a company, you really need to have some type of partnership. It could be like just some legal, legal entity that operates, mm -hmm. um, you know, you need, a, you effectively need a license to like have servers within China. You have to have mm -hmm. a license. And to do that, you have to be uh, based on my last understanding is like a wholly owned Chinese company. So there's no sort of like skirting the rules and this kind of stuff. So what happens is you, you know, you potentially have to give up control, right? Yeah. Um, and you have little legal recourse anyway. Uh, so, you know, uh, I worked at EA for Electronic Arts for a while and they had some joint ventures that went sideways where, you know, their partner just decided to do something different and you really have nothing you can do to sort of mm -hmm. course correct that. So that's, I think, one of the main hurdles that where you see a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of IPOs now, a lot of public companies and in working with a lot of the gaming folks, I've seen become much more conservative as they, um, you know, get to that point because the the downside risk is financially or just like from a PR perspective is too great to even yeah. want to bother, you know, trying to explore this a market that is that is the biggest potentially in their vertical. So, um, you know, that's a big one is just uh, things going wrong with any. And the reality is, you never hear about it. Uh, these kind of things like aren't ever going to be talked about. You know, you see the company, oh, we're going into China, we're setting up an office. And then, you know, one day, like everything sort of disappears, but it's under the radar. Um, that has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, I think, you know, uh, but, you know, there's plenty of gaming examples like uh, from Kabam and stuff where they, you know, they invested a lot of resources to sort of, um, you know, uh, bring a big title into the market and it just didn't, didn't get that traction. And that's where I come back to that, like, you know, take the incremental steps rather than a giant, huge investment that has a huge launch and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. especially these, I mean, this is even four, you know, three, four five years ago when things were much less competitive, mm -hmm. um, and there was less sort of regulatory complexity. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that regulation. You mentioned you've got to have a local partner. You've got to, they, to get servers. You've got to be a wholly owned Chinese company. Um, I, I've read that you need like five different permissions at different levels of government and different organizations to get going. Can you give us, shed a little bit of light on that? Yeah, I mean, the I think the main ones is uh, to think about is kind of this idea of like a license to operate like as an internet company, you know, effectively you, you know, there's, there's ways to navigate it, but in general, that's kind of the, the main hurdle is that you, uh, it has to be kind of like a wholly owned, you know, Chinese entity. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's the server stuff, you know, there may be, I think there's ways around it with through like Amazon, but then you, you know, you can't have, 
your audiences have to be like bifurcated or something like they can't overlap because yep. the, then you get into the censorship side, which is basically um, you, you know, gaming is easy. There's, you know, different sort of taboo or even things that are not allowed. Like you can't, you know, ma- you know, make a, make mockery of the government officials. Uh, that's an easy way to get blasted out of the, out of the mm-hmm. stores pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But then there's sort of like gray areas where, um, you know, for games, you need to have your game basically be approved to yes. be available. Um, there is a lot of loopholes that effectively are now fully closed, uh, in, at least in mobile gaming. Um, but there's, you know, stuff like, you know, things that you wouldn't necessarily uh, think about, like, you know, you don't, you know, skeletons in your game is like a taboo thing. You don't want to oh, do wow. that. You know, if you look at something like uh, those, like uh, a PUBG, you know, they, tried to release the original version, but, uh, you know, they changed it to be like a more, um, less gory, um, you know, no blood and, and this kind of thing. Um, you know, even stuff like um, there was a game that had a map, you know, there's, there's controversy in China about like the boundaries of the country and, you know, from their perspective and like the map and the game, you know, you know, by Nepal was like not in the right place. <laughs> so that was like, contra- you know, it had to be like changed. So, the rabbit hole get goes deep pretty quickly, I think, from the gaming side. But I think, you know, the effectively it's the ability to moderate. So you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the recent one is like Clubhouse, right? Clubhouse launched, and there was a, to- a huge, uh, you know, uptake because it's you know not a game; it's available. It can be available in the Chinese apps, you know, the Chinese sto- uh, country uh, on iTunes. Um, but one day, it just you know, wasn't available anymore, and that's basically comes down to the censorship, right? Like. People go on there, they can talk about whatever they want. They could, you know, say bad things about the wrong people. Um, and that's not, not, not acceptable. So I think, you know, uh, that's, I think going to be, will always be a huge issue as, as a lot of the stuff becomes more social. Uh, there, you know, a lot of apps, regardless of whether it's, you know, photo video, like, a, you know, gaming, um, you know, you're doing more real time, like social interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes very difficult like how, you know, the, to moderate that and um, is very difficult. And, you know, I think, look, the reality is if you're a small, small company outside of gaming, you can probably get away with a lot because nobody cares about what you're doing, um, say on, you know, the <laughs> iTunes store. But, um, you know, again, coming back to these bigger companies that are high profile, a ton of scrutiny. And that's where they're just kind of like, yeah, it's a huge market, but I don't want to get, we don't want to get in trouble. It's not worth the complexity. Uh, just, you, you know, just from the very beginning of setting up, you know, you know, some legal company to operate in and et cetera, et cetera. So that's why you see a lot of, you know, folks partner with bigger companies like Tencent and this kind of thing, because they can help, uh, you know, obviously navigate a lot of these processes and create a lot of, um, uh, reduce a lot of the friction, like Roblox is, coming to China and it's through a joint venture with Tencent. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that's the value of a partnership um, uh, from many ways. So I think the regulatory side, a lot of it, you know, comes back to the, the, the censorship um, and then like the firewall, um, Mm -hmm. how that impacts, like maybe the tools and technology. Well, it's become a lot better than it used to be, but, you know, there'd be games that were run on like Google infrastructure that like 
wouldn't work. They were they'd be available in China, but the game wouldn't wouldn't work because all the technology was absolutely. Off. And even if it would work, it'd be super slow because it's trying to get out over a long distance. Yeah, and, and people didn't, you know, back then people weren't sophisticated to know that that was actually, you know, people were downloading their app or game, and no one could, you know, uh, actually, you know, uh, use it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I think that's we've come a long way, but you know, it's a like an easy takeaway where you can kind of you need to think through that sort of really basic stuff that you don't for you know nine you know the other 150 whatever countries that the app store supports yeah yeah excellent so if you have a new client come on board today and they want to go to china you're getting them a local partner you're starting really really simple very low cost you're getting them on the various app stores that are there and the app markets and then you're saying, hey, as you see success, increment, build, um, grow from there, correct? Yeah. So I would say, yes, generally. I think the, I would say first, um, so I do see, I also do see a lot of people thinking they spend hours investing in trying to, to talk to different companies for a local partnership before doing any type of diligence around what their product is. Yeah. Uh, and do and maybe doing some like basic testing, like you know, put the app live in China and you know, translate it and do something to kind of feel, make yourself feel better. Because you, I see people invest so much time and talk, trying. Oh, I'm going to talk to Tencent and NetEase and all these different, you know, huge companies and ByteDance and this kind of stuff. And the reality is like, there's no opportunity for them um, in maybe in general, but the scale that, they, that you need to be able to, you need to be able to reach a very significant scale to even be interesting for like the middle tier companies mm -hmm. in the market. So I think like people get, again, they come back, they see the dollar signs and they like want to invest a ton of time. So I think you want to do a lot of stuff to kind of figure out first, uh, you know, what is the opportunity? So you can at least feel like is worth investing. Cause what happens is you spin your wheels to do all this stuff, to talk to all these people. And then you, you know, you've, your whole, you know, you could have been doing, making a new app for yeah. the United States, or you could have been doing 20 other things, uh, especially if you're a smaller company um, where you just kind of like wasted so much, you know, time and effort for fairly minimal opportunity. So I think even before really diving in at any level of depth, like, you know, do something to, to really feel like there's some meaningful potential here. Um, I know we did, we did talk to like the super South, you know, situation where you wasn't planned. It wasn't predicted, but look, the reality is that's like, you know, the, you might as well buy like some, some lottery, some lottery tickets. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not something to be replicated. So I, I do think there's people need to do, it doesn't matter how big you are to really feel confident that there is some type of opportunity even before, you know, having, uh, you know, trying to talk to local partners. It sounds like you have to speak to a lot of people who want to go to China and you tell a lot of them, don't even bother. It's really challenging. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really yeah. Expensive. It's really, 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 it's a bad idea. Um, yeah. What, is that the case? Do you, would you uh, tell the average um, publishing house that comes to you, hey, forget about it <laughs> and send and, and build them, <laughs> invoice them for $100,000 yeah, I mean, for that advice. No, I mean, it's funny. I even talked to, you know, really big companies. I'm, I'm 
it's probably not to my advantage, but I'm basically like, you know, look, I'm like, look, I can try and help you to talk to these different companies to, you know, explore partnership. But, you know, here's a realistic perspective is like, you know, even for the companies in the market to make a successful product is very, very, very high. So the probability that, you know, some foreign company can come in and reach a scale that's interesting for them is, is, is very low. So in a way, yes, <laughs> uh, you know, I am, a horrible salesperson. <laughs> I am telling them to, uh, to, to not bother necessarily, but, you know, I think, but I think the one, the thing I will say is like, I think people have these like crazy out, you know, expectations because it's such a large market. So what I do say is like, look, like there is some opportunity for everyone. So let's do like the basic stuff, translate it up, you know, update the app store assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can buy a ton of, I can buy a ton of local like iOS traffic on, you know, the traditional, you know, networks, right. Cause everyone has, you know, inventory. So like there is accessible and maybe that gets, maybe that's actually going to get you, you know, 50% of the revenue opportunity for your product. Wow. So yeah, maybe you can't get the next, I don't know, maybe let's say it's 25. It doesn't necessarily matter, but it's like very low effort for yeah. some like opportunity. Um, cause what a lot of people would do is they, they never release their app in, in China because they were like, Oh, I'm going to work with Tencent in like, you know, a year I'm going to do this. And well, the reality is like the things out, it has some traction everywhere else. Like just put it out there, like at least capture some opportunity, uh, through some easy, like low effort things. Um, and, you know, that's where that, that could be your sort of evaluation process. If you are seeing like something really interesting, then you go to the next steps. So that is actually interesting because what you're saying there is a disabuse yourself of the notion that you're going to come in and immediately get 500 million downloads and be uh, amazing, incredible, wonderful, but take the easy steps, do what's simple, get it out there um, and see what happens. Now you're talking about the iOS app store quite a bit. Yeah. How's that different from Android and are there differences in terms of legalities as well? Uh, yeah. So I I feel like I keep saying like, oh, this is more complicated than the thing I just mentioned, but it is Android is more complicated than, than, than iOS. I think it's, it's interesting. It has become less complicated. So on Android, there's, you know, there's no Google play store. Um, you have, uh, sort of this landscape of, of, of Android app stores that are controlled by sort of different, uh, companies in the market that maybe have a primary service, like uh, antivirus or mm-hmm. photo video, and then they also distribute apps. So the good thing is that's become more consolidated over over the last like four or five years. Um, the challenge there is that again for games, you can't be in any stores unless you have a license. Uh, although that's true now for iOS, it's been true for longer for for Android. Um, you know, I think uh, the challenge is like it's not very well set up for foreign companies. Like yeah. Yeah. the documentation is in, you know, is not in English. Um, you know, there's, there's some folks that can help you navigate this and get your, you know, your, your, your Android non-game app into these stores. But, you know, it's just, every, you need a different bill binary for every store. You know, they have all different <laughs> SDKs, the SDK, you know, like, like the SDK, from I'm not from the technical side, but from what I've heard, like the documentation is very, not very good and mm-hmm. not in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so you still need a local partner. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's more service. There's some more service provider models for folks that can help you with navigate some of this. Um, but there's just like a lot of complexity uh, to get out there. I think um, you so know. There. Let's start here then. Let's start here. Um, minimum viable China product. What, <laughs> how do you do that? What are the ingredients you need there for a minimum viable China product? Uh, so you know, my perspective is like. You, when I'm if I'm advise, you know, if I'm telling somebody maybe it's early in development or something, and they're asking about like Chinese market and this kind of stuff, if they're a Western company, I'm basically saying to them like, look, make your product for the market that you understand, which is the West. Mm -hmm. If your product is not going to work there, then it doesn't even matter. China doesn't even matter. So. I think that's just like a, a main takeaway early on is like, you need to get this thing working uh, in your home market. You need to, uh, you know, have sort of that base where you, okay, this is engaging some, you know. Gotcha. So let's assume you've got that. We've yeah. got publishers who have a baseline. They're super successful. They do yeah, what they're yeah. doing. They want to go to China. Minimum viable product to go into China. What are the three things they got to do? The five things they got to do? The two things they got to do? Uh, okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, table stakes is obviously localization. Yep. So, you know, simplified Chinese and traditional Chinese, you know, if you want to support, you know, both uh, mainland China as well, well as Hong Kong and Taiwan. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, again, I'm coming from the context of like, you have a product that works, how can you modify it slightly to to be more relevant? I think, you know, you look at like, you, you know, the, if you have social sharing, like, can you support the local channels? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, WeChat, um, uh, you know, I think you maybe look at your, if you have a micro transaction or some type of in-app purchase model, like, you know, uh, it's a lot on the audience, but, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, the Chinese users, you know, especially on Android are used to making very small, very, very small payments, small purchases. So um, you might want to look at kind of your uh, business model set up from that perspective. Um, you know, uh, I think what else? I think looking at like ad monetization side, if that's interesting, if that's part of the model, making sure you're, you know, have the strong partners, if it's Pangle or whatever for like, a, you know, uh, for ByteDance or something, just making sure that you have the right partners that are going to maximize your, your revenue. I think on iOS, I'd say these days it's not less of an issue because most people have like a big enough, uh, you know, audience in those markets. Um, but, uh, and then looking at things that aren't going to work, like if it's something, uh, you know, on built by if Facebook or Google, if it's like yeah. monetization or some type of tools or technology. Um, but I'm all about, you know, if you have to reinvent the wheel, like it's not gonna be worth it. So the core <laughs> experience, like, you know, that has to work. Uh, on its own without significant changes. Yes, you can add more, you know, in the future if it is working. Um, we see that a lot with gaming, adding, you know, characters and content that's more relevant to like Chinese audience. Sure, um, sure. There's a lot of case studies there. But yeah, I mean, it's nothing super sexy. I think it's just, uh, you know, making sure it's those basic, basic stuff to make it usable um, uh, for like the Chinese audience. 
as long as you're so you know. you've got localization you've got localization of your app you you've got localization of some of the things in your app whether that's monetization where it monetizes and how it monetizes yeah. if that's advertising if that's micropayments whatever you've also got localization in terms of services that you use cloud services identity services stuff like that so it's your sort of your baseline technical stuff You've also got to get onto the iOS app store because perhaps you're doing that first because it's one place and you're already there and yeah. so that's super easy. You do exactly. need a local partner for that as well, right? Because you need permission for that. Is that correct? Uh, not only for games. So if okay. you're not a game, you can publish. Oh, I should say, I should rewind. So if you're a game that does not have in-app purchase, you can self-publish. So if you're hyper-casual <clears throat> and you're ad-based, no problem. Uh, if you're paid in-app purchase or subscription or paid or in-app premium or in-app purchase, I believe subscription too, you you would have to have the licensing. So um, iOS is always a great, you know, that's what I'm always about, like get something out there, like make some money with what you have. That's going to help you understand like if there's more opportunity from there. It's interesting, you know, interesting. So that works, iOS works, then you've got some idea, hey, let's yeah, do I mean, it on Android and go to those, you know, Baidu's app store and um, Alibaba's app store and 10 cents app store and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you can look at like some local, local, you know, so it's like, okay, I, I've released my app. I'm seeing some positive numbers. Like maybe the metrics are better than I see average on average. Okay. Well, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to add some local, you know, if it's a game localized content, mm -hmm. um, if it's an app, maybe some additional features. Okay, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do, do some marketing specifically for like Chinese, you know, for this market. I'm gonna, you know, buy on, uh, you know, traditional, the, you know, Western HQ company, Iron Source or Unity. I can buy iOS Chinese traffic, um, and then if that's working, then I can maybe look at okay Android. Then I can release some of those Android stores. Um, then I can look at some more like localized marketing. I can look at some, uh, you know, local ad networks uh, that can cool. support even iOS. Um, and then I can, you know, look at adding, you know, deeper like content integrations uh, that might be more relevant to the users. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's where we think about this kind of like stepwise sort of process because as it you increase sense. increase the complexity and effort increases, so you want to make sure that there's the key is ROI, right? It's not more revenue, it's more profit, right? Because yeah. very easy to invest a lot of time and I. I, you're in Vancouver. I mean, I, I, you, I don't know what they're up to these days. Hothead Games. I remember doing a, a an event with them, and I remember the, the the guy was like, "Yeah, we made a ton more money, but in the end, like when you look at the revenue share and the effort and the resources, you know, we made maybe like five percent profit or something." <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> you know, and a lot of people maybe it's unprofitable. Um, even though the revenue looks real sexy, it's actually like not profitable versus like making a, a new app or a new game. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the, that's where people I think quickly kind of go off course. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I cool. have to ask, what is that picture in the background that you have 35,000 of? Yeah. I got to do something. I, I, it's the, it's the picture that comes with the frame. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a little bit sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, we, cool. it's been like two weeks, so it's it's still acceptable, I think. Yep. Um, still have yep. it there, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's for like record of to put like a record in it, and I just like haven't got around to that step. But no um, I gotta, I think I gotta at least like take the the thing out because it looks. Someone was like, "Oh, that's a really like a unique 
you know, piece you have in the back. And I was like, oh yeah, no. It's I'm just- sure you could sell it as an NFT for like $50 billion. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's very artistic. So yeah, well, uh, is, you can get it out each row of Walmart for, you know, $5 or something. Okay. Don't tell anybody. They won't know. They'll pay you two or three Bitcoins for it at minimum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Josh, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate cool. it. All right. Thanks so much.